listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Give him a shout of praise one more time, church. Let me hear you this morning. Man, welcome uh, to the finale of a series that we have been in called Ruled. And if you have not been able to be a part of this series, um, I encourage you to uh, download our, our app. You heard Jasmine Mintage the Vintage mention the Vintage app. That is the best way for you to stay um, connected to what's going on with our church. We send out push notifications about things like labs and ministry opportunities, and there's a ton of things happening at our church on a daily basis, and the best way for you to stay informed is is just through the Vintage app. Um, And and if you're not a tech person, then I'm sorry. I was trying to think of a good alternative, but there's not one. Um, so download that app there. You can also pull up some notes um, that follow along with the teaching that God has put on my heart for today. But I hope this series has been beneficial. It's been good for you? Yeah. I hope so. Um, because we came out of a series called Toxic. And, and, and man, that was one of those kind of game-changing, defining series for, for our lives, at least for my life. And we just dealt with, with all these negative emotions that have, have hijacked our lives from time to time. And we've all been there, right? We've all had seasons in our lives when, when we, were, we were not ruled by the Spirit, but we were run by our emotion. Okay. Like, we've all had those moments, right, where, like, we don't even really know how we got there. But boom, anger was in charge. And we've ruined relationships, and we've said things we didn't mean, and we've done things that we didn't think we could do. And, and like, our, our character has just shifted because emotion took control. And we, we talked through kind of the four big ones in, in, in my own life throughout, throughout uh, my entire life. I've struggled with those four emotions. I talked about anger and lust and bitterness and depression and, and battling those, th- those, th- those things. And we had planned to go a different direction when we concluded this series, but I felt like God was calling us to, all right, let's live out the alternative, because that's the good news, isn't it, believer? That you have an alternative to being run by emotion. Like, you don't, you don't have to stay in that place, because of who Jesus is, and what Jesus has done. Instead of being run by emotion, we get to be ruled by the Spirit, and that's our goal, is to get to that place where we are ruled by the Spirit. And, and basically, I've been kind of putting it like this to, to make that transition. We talked about how the source, the standard, the supply, the substance. Whatever the source is will determine the standard. And whatever the standard we're, we're, we're aiming at will determine where our supply comes from. And all that combined equals the substance that will be produced in our lives. And so I've been kind of unpacking it like this. The Spirit is your source. Scripture sets the standard. He is your supply and life is the substance. That if the Spirit is going to be your source, the Spirit is going to be that driving force in your life where you get to, you get the, and the good news is you, you get to have that happen in your life because the sin that stood in the way between you and God when Jesus did what he did on the cross and defeated the grave, he did everything necessary to remove the sin so that he could really fully, completely become your source. Amen. He did. Like, like the sin was what was standing in the way of you having this life that God really desires for you. But when he removed your sin, he made room for him to take up residence in your life. And now the Spirit can be your source. But if the Spirit is your source, then Scripture has to set the standard. Because you can't know if it's really the Spirit as your source unless you're able to lay it against the backdrop of his word. 
because the Spirit's never going to lead you outside the framework of His Word. Come on. Like, Scripture sets the standard. And I hear people ask me all the time, like, how do I know it's from the Spirit? I'm, I have to say, is it in alignment with God's Word? Because if it is not in alignment with God's Word, it ain't the Spirit. I don't know what it is. It may be your hormones. It may be what you ate for dinner last night. It may be circumstances. Like, like if it's the Spirit, it's going to be in alignment with God's Word. And I challenged all, us all that Sunday, like, do you really know God's Word? Because you don't know God if you don't know His Word. Because in the person of Jesus in Genesis to Revelation, that's how God has revealed himself to his people. And we've got no excuse because we have more easier access to God's word than ever in history. I mean, you can just pull up an app and you can listen to God's word, the audio of it, on, on, while you're driving in the car to work. For if, if your commute's 15 minutes, that's 15 minutes you can get with God. So, like, we're without excuse, right? Like, we have access to God's word like never before. And then last week, we talked about this sta standard that he set. And ultimately, that standard, if you had to sum it up, you can sum it up not in a bunch of principles, but in a person, and his name is Jesus. Like, that's the standard he set for us. Like, he wants our life to look like the life of Jesus. Are we all in agreement with that? I need to, amen? Like, Jesus, in Jesus, God showed us how to live, and that's how he wants us to look, our life to look like Jesus. And that seems really, really hard for most of us. Come on. Because there's most days I look in the mirror, and what I see and what I feel and what I experience is the complete opposite of Jesus. But here's the good news. Not only did he give us that standard, he gave us the supply for us to live out that standard. Like God didn't, didn't say, hey, I want you to look like Jesus. Good luck. He said, I want you to look like Jesus. And the good news is I'm going to give you all the supply that you need to live that out. How cruel would it have been for God to show us all these things in Scripture? And I taught, we, we unpacked it last week where God's called us to be holy. Where God's called us to more than be just forgiven. He's called us to be free. And live as vic victorious people over the things that once enslaved us and trapped us. And his supply is sufficient. He is everything. that, that First Peter tells us that he has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Like he has given us all that we need. And so like we don't have to keep living that same old way. We can, we can drop those chains. I'm glad I don't have to pick those up again today. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to pick them up spiritually either anymore. Come on that we can live free. And here's the cool thing. When all of that happens, the substance, the, 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 what's produced in our lives is real life. Like that's ultimately what God wants for you is he wants you to live. He wants you to have a full, powerful life. Jesus said it. You've heard this a hundred times. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, somewhere along the line, I think Christians figured out that maybe like the whole point of Christianity is to make, is to survive life until the sweet kiss of death, and then you get to go to heaven. It's almost like, you know what, that this whole Christian thing, the only benefit comes when you die. And I think Jesus is telling us there's so much more to following him than just an eternal reward. And that's beautiful, and it's great that we have this eternal reward on the other side of death. But God is also saying because of everything that Jesus has done, this life that you live, however long it may be, it can be full and powerful as well. And so Jesus wants you to fully live. And if you're not fully living, it's because you haven't fully engaged everything that God's put at your disposal. 
If you're not fully living the way that God has called you to live, it's not because it's not possible. It's not because Jesus hasn't made a way. It's because you haven't really allowed him to be your source. Because when he is really your source, you fully become alive. You get to really, really live. The substance of this life is real life. And then outside of Jesus, what you're living is just a poor imitation of what God has intended for you. Come on, you with me, church? I know it's Memorial Day. I know it's dreary outside, but come on, let's go. It's full life, real life. And, and, and Paul would write about the, the, a deeper level of substance of this life. He called it the fruits of the Spirit. Like, like when the Spirit is your source and Scripture is your standard and He is your supply, that these things that begin to just be birthed in your life. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Start with verse 22. It says, but the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, like the, the substance of this life, like He's about to give it to us. The substance of this life where the Spirit is your source, the substance of this life is love and joy and peace, and forbearance, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law. Like when we're really living as the Spirit as our source, and we really are living in step with all the things that we just mentioned, this is what's present in our lives. And, and this week as I studied this, for some reason I just fixated on joy. Because we came out of toxic and we talked about all these negative emotions. How, you know what, our lives have been ruined by all these bitterness and, and anger and all these kinds of things. And here I, I see that, that this word that's right in the centerpiece almost of, of this, the substance of this life lived with the spirits is joy. Because joy is not an emotion. Joy is not an emotion. Joy, joy, is, joy is a position of the spirit, not a feeling of the heart. I know he's out here sometimes. I got, I got joy, 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 joy down it. Y'all seen that? That's why I'm not on the worship team, right? Uh, you remember singing that song? I don't think joy, joy is not a feeling in your heart. It's a position you find in the spirit. You with me? Like joy is this thing that the spirit gives you when you live as him as your source. And see, you know, when you're ruled by the spirit, it doesn't rob you of emotion. It just means you don't have to run on it anymore. You're still going to experience these emotions. But what he's saying, in the midst of all the craziness that is life, when the Spirit is your source, these are the things that are still present in your life. That that's what God really wants for you. So can you just look at the screen and just do some self-inventory? Are these the things present in your life? Love and joy and peace because can we all be honest like we're all in the midst of things that threaten this stuff but what the spirit is saying and, and here's what I'll get that in a minute it are these the things that mark your life but for these things to really be the substance within the life that you're living see to see the substance you have to keep in step with the source you with me to see the substance, you have to keep in step with the source. The moment that you get out of step with the source, the moment the substance begins to fade. 
And so often, many of us have had seasons of this in our lives because we have, we're good at having seasons of being in step. Right? Like, we have these seasons when things are good or when we're doing the things that we need to be doing and we're, you know, like, all right, a couple weeks ago, like, I, I, we, we felt that conviction of being in the Word. It's two weeks later. I bet you did good Monday and Tuesday, didn't you? But now, two weeks later... Are you still doing the things that you need to do to feast on the Word of God? I think it's just like a lot of things in our lives. We're often good in the short term, but terrible in the long term. And keeping in step with the source means a long-term thing. You know, that's what Paul would say. Remember, he gives the fruit of the Spirit in verses 22 and 23. Then look what he says in verse 25, Galatians 5, 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Like if you really want to live by the Spirit, if the Spirit is going to be your source, if you really want to see the substance of a life connected to the Holy Spirit of God, like you've got to keep in step with the Spirit. And so many of us are not really good at that. So that means like we're walking along with God and we're walking in step with him and all of a sudden the spirit says let's go right and we look ahead and we see what lies ahead at right like no like I thought I, I think we I think we I would rather go left because when keeping in step with the spirit means stepping in a direction that maybe isn't convenient or comfortable we stop stepping and when you stop stepping you stop seeing the substance. And that's what happens for so many of us in our lives. Like we're living in step, and then all of a sudden the direction that the Spirit is about to step next is not one that we really prefer. And so what we do is we get out of step. This is, let me put it like this. People will disconnect from the source when following Him doesn't appear to be what we hope for. People will disconnect from the source when following him doesn't appear to be what we hoped for. See, at times, we're walking in step with the Spirit, and what we're experiencing appears to be something other than the substance he's promised. That's the, that's the number one reason why we lose step with the Spirit, because we're step, in step with the Spirit, and what we're experiencing seems to be, it appears to be something other than the substance that He promised. Because sometimes living in step with the Spirit is hard. Sometimes living in step with the Spirit is painful. And the question is, will you continue to step with the Spirit and trust the substance is life when it has the appearance of death. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, there's sometimes when, when we know the, the substance is joy, but it has the appearance of sorrow. Anybody relate to what I'm saying? See, I preach this in my head, and in this noggin, it makes sense during the week. But see, that's what we're walking in step with the Spirit. And so many people have watched them. We lose step with the Spirit. Because you know what? I thought if I was living in step with the Spirit, then my life was going to be easy. I don't know what idiot told you that. I've been walking in step with the Spirit. This is, I have this conversation all the time. Matt, I came to church. I accepted Jesus. I started being obedient. I started tithing. I started serving. And you know what? My life just started falling apart. 
There's some people that could testify in the room. I would just say to you, like, it, the appearance may be chaos, but the substance can be peace. Because that's who he is. So let me challenge you to this. Because here's the, the appearance on the surface can overshadow the substance of the promise. Does that make sense? Like, it, just by, if you just go by mere appearances, and that's what we do. That's the way we're naturally drawn. The appearance on the surface can overshadow the substance of the promise. And so often, we get just enamored with the appearance on the surface and because of what we see, the appearance, what we're experiencing in that moment, we'll get out of step with the Spirit because we're convinced the substance is no longer possible or it's no longer there. Let, let me give you a good illustration in Scripture of what I'm talking about. Remember this story? Go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. The disciples go through this. And I think Jesus is trying to teach them something and trying to teach us something in this passage. Mark chapter 4, look at verse 35. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. So Jesus says, Hey, I'm leading us over to the other side. Because of my command, because of what I want us to do, let's get in the boat, let's cross over. So remember that. Like, this whole scenario begins with the leading and following of Jesus. You with me? Say amen. amen. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. Verse 37, a furious squall. You ever been in a furious squall? I don't know that I have. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. You ever felt like that's your life? Like you're in the middle of a furious squall. How you doing? I'm in a squall, bro, you know? <laughs> Where it just seems like things are just crashing over your life. Because you know what? You know, it's okay if one little thing goes wrong in life. But anybody ever just feels like it just comes in waves? Like, you feel like you're in the middle of a country song. <laughs> like, dog died, truck broke down, wife, le like the whole nine yards. <laughs> and it's like, God, I could, if it was just one thing, we'd be fine. Anybody, come on. Like, you just, but it's just like everything. Like, it's, it's, it just comes in waves, like here in this position. The, so, they're in this boat. The boat is rocking. The waves are crashing. The storm is just going up. And check out Jesus in verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. You ever feel like that? Like your life is just crazy and it almost feels like Jesus is just asleep and don't care. Come on. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Because you know what? It appears as if you don't care. We're over here. We're panicking. Thomas is losing his stuff. Peter just going to jump out. He thinks he can walk on it because you, <laughs> like Jesus, for real, it appears as if you don't care if we drown. You ever been there, man? God, it appears as if you don't care that I can't pay my mortgage. It appears as if you don't care 
that physically my body is breaking down and I'm about to face the fight of my life. It's funny, like, when, when we don't see people or we don't feel like God is reacting the way that we're reacting, we assume that he doesn't care. But let me, let's go, let me let you a little secret. God's never going to panic. God is never going to match your panic because that's not what he does. Look what Jesus says, verse 39. He got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? See, the disciples in that moment, see, appearances have the potential to create panic. And so many times as you walk with the Spirit as your source, you're going to have moments when it appears as if God is not there. It appears as if things are going to end really badly. It appears as if things are going to turn out in a way than you, that you didn't hope for or plan that they would. But don't let the appearance on the surface overshadow the substance of his promise. God is who he says he is and will do what he said he will do no matter how the circumstances feel in that moment. And here's the thing. Go ahead, you can clap for that. But this, this is what you need to know, though. So often the reason why we get drawn in by the appearance is because we've misunderstood the substance of the promise. The substance is not avoidance. The substance of the promise is not a life without pain and difficulty and struggle and hardship. Some of you are like, like well, then, then, then why? Then why, do, why should we even follow this? Is it just so that we can give? Well, see, see, you're going to, you're going to go through a lot of the things that you see people who don't follow God go through. The good news is, God has the power and supply to give you peace through it. See, following Jesus doesn't mean the boat's not going to rock. It means it ain't going to sink. Like, your boat's going to rock. Life is going to rock you at times with different things. But when Jesus is in the boat, it ain't going under. When Jesus is in your heart, you're not going under. That you're going to experience things that are difficult and painful. And see, this is where a lot of people step out of step. is because they, they've confused the appearance with the substance. Or maybe they've figured out that the substance is, is something other than God actually promised it would be. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, I don't want y'all to be dumb about this. I need you to know in this world that you're going to have trouble. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Following me about to be the hardest thing you're ever going to do. You thought it was hard up until now. You thought it was hard when I went to the cross and went through all that. Oh, brother. Remember, the, this, those people that were closest to Jesus, most of them were murdered for their faith. I would say, those who... This just comes to mind. So let me, those who follow him closely will be persecuted the most. If I had some time to work on that, I could come up with a better line than I just did, but I'm just, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, I think the more intimately you get connected to God, the more the devil sees you as a threat. 
And, and the more junk he's going to throw in your life. And if you let the appearance on the surface overshadow the promise, you will step out of step with the Spirit. And you will not get to experience the fruit of this life. So you got one of two things. You can be trapped by appearance on the surface. Like you can keep allowing yourself to be trapped by the appearance on the surface. And here's what, emotions always give way to appearance. Emotions always give way to appearance. So many reasons why the emotions get the best of us is because our emotion is an emotional response to simply what we can see. Not seeing below the surface and all that God is doing and can do and should do and will do. See, you will never be free of experiences that have potential to stir up your negative emotions. See, the spirit is not a shield from the negative. It is a supply in the negative. And allow him to work. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that appears to be right. But in the end, it leads to death. See, if you just are driven by appearances... If appearances is how things appear are the only things that are driving how you're living and how you're making decisions and what you're doing, death will be the result. Because God is in a deeper place trying to work on your life. So this is what I want to challenge you to do. Focus on the substance of the promise. Focus on the substance. Joy is focused on the substance. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, pick up verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. See, you see the appearance, but know the substance. The appearance is struck down. The substance is not destroyed. The appearance is perplexed, but the substance says we're not in despair. The appearance says we're pressed on every side. The substance is, but we're not crushed. Come on, you with me, church? Verse 10, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe, therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly you are wasting away, though it has the appearance that you are dying, yet inwardly because of the substance of the promise, you are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal see the appearance is only for a little while the substance is forever So focus on the substance. Don't let what is happening around you 
and to you overshadow who is in you and for you. Don't let it happen. Set your eyes on him and let the spirit rule. If you're not driven by God's promise, you'll be crippled by your pain. I know that you might be in a season where it appears as if something really bad is happening. And let me just say, I'm not saying that's an illusion. I'm not saying that's not real. I'm not saying that what you see isn't real and happening to you. What I'm saying is it doesn't have to control you. It doesn't have to determine what you do. It doesn't have to destroy you. I'm not in any way or any shape and form trying to minimize what you're going through or say what you're going through isn't real and tangible. Your pain is real, but it is not permanent because of who God is and what he has done. And if you get to that place where you let the appearances take control and overshadow the substance, you will step out of step with the Spirit, and then you will never experience all the things that God has for you in this life. You know, we've all had moments. I'm out of time, but I don't care. We've all had moments when appearance, appearances have gotten the best of us and caused us to step out of step with the Spirit. A week from tomorrow, my babies will be 10 years old. Which again, means I got a couple more years before I'm an idiot. Right now I'm a cool dad, but yeah, if you've been around vintage, you know that story. But getting Aiden and Leah here was a really hard journey for us. I remember when Ashley and I made the decision to start having children, we thought you just decide to have children. Next thing you know, you're pregnant, and she spits out a baby. And I'll never forget sitting in the doctor's office the first time Ashley was pregnant and them searching for a heartbeat and not being able to find one. I'll never forget the emotion that wanted to take over my life. And when we found out that we had lost that baby, how devastating that was for us. Only six months later to go through it again. To get pregnant, we were, we were headed out for vacation. We were headed out for a week at the beach and on our way out for vacation, we stopped at a doctor's, our first doctor's appointment in hopes to hear the heartbeat and find out about this pregnancy. And sitting in that doctor's office and watching the same pattern begin to unroll. And I remember how angry at God I was when that happened because I watched people around us. It seems like when y'all will never understand this. So can I just stop asking people when they're going to have kids because maybe they're trying and they can't and all you're doing is pouring on their pain. And I remember holding my wife in our kitchen of our house helplessly find, figure, trying to figure out what, what are we going to do because it doesn't seem like it appears as if we are never going to have something we desperately have wanted. And a drowning in the appearance of that. And then we, we move up here and 
We move up here in June, and in October, we find out we're pregnant. And then we find out we're pregnant with twins. Ha ha, God, very funny. <laughs> and then I remember on April the 6th, 2008, when Ashley was about 26 weeks pregnant, going to the doctor, and then you can tell something again is not quite right. And they start talking about preterm labor. And next thing I know, they're hooking my wife up to these machines and they're checking the heartbeat and they're going through all these kinds of things and, and, just try, and, and, and just the fear of that. And then next thing I know, we're in women's hospital and she's in the hospital and she's trapped on all these machines and they're giving her all this medication and, and they're saying, we're going to do everything we can because baby's born at 26. And then having these conversations with the doctor about the complications that can happen with a baby born at 26 weeks and, and everything from, from, from physical to, to mental restrictions that can happen, babies being born born that young and thinking we're going to do everything we can to keep her here and to keep these babies cooking a little bit longer and then waking that was on a Friday and waking up on Monday morning to my wife gasping for air because she couldn't breathe because the medication that they had given her to slow down the contractions to keep these babies in caused her lungs to fill up with fluid and they're bringing in a machine and they're checking so now not only am I worried about my two babies here's my wife and she can't breathe and they take her off that medication and they figure out it was it, causing her lungs to fill with fluid. And they talk about how we're going to have to take her off all this medication. But just so you know, without this medication, these babies will probably be born in the next 24 hours. And the doctor, again, walking through all the difficulty that will happen. And I'm thinking, God, it appears as if things are about to really go sideways. And I went in, uh, went to the end of the bathroom of that room at Women's Hospital in Greensboro, and I just laid on that floor. I can still feel the cold of the tile floor on my face. It's the second time I'd laid on a bathroom floor begging God to do something in my life in less than a year. And I'm not going to tell you that God told me that those kids would be okay. But God promised me peace in that moment. I, I can't say I woke up from that bathroom saying those kids are going to be fine and they're going to be healthy and they're going to be great. But a peace came over me. We spent 35 days in that hospital. My wife on her back for 35 days till finally they got us to the point where they felt like it was safe enough for to go, us to go home. And we went home. We spent another 30 days. My wife is a champion. And then I remember walking in on June 4th, 2008, where they did a scheduled C-section and watching my son and my daughter enter this world. And then again, my little girl is screaming and crying and it ain't, it ain't pretty. But my son, he's gasping for air. His lungs aren't working. And I'm watching three nurses work on him as he, his little lungs, his little body just going up and down violently. And here I'm trying to, it's just chaos. And once again, I'm thinking, God, it appears as if something is wrong again. And they end up, I never even get to hold my son in that moment. Next thing I know, they rush him up to the NICU. And by the time that he got to the next floor, his his breathing had leveled out and he was fine. But he wouldn't eat. They had to feed him through a tube 
for seven days. For the first seven days of his life, he wouldn't eat. And he spent the next 10 years eating everything I could buy. <laughs> and on Monday, a week from Monday, I get to celebrate a decade of the joy they have brought to my life. through that entire experience we leaned into the spirit of God and it's only because of him we made it through with our sanity and the substance that we get now is worth the pain from every appearance along the way do not let the appearance on the surface overshadow the substance of the promise Live in step with the Spirit. Let the Spirit rule. Let Him reign in your life. And I don't know how your story will turn out, but I believe that God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called to His purposes. And if it's not good, God is not done. Stand with me. Let me pray for you. I don't know, maybe you're here today and you're in a season of life that appears to be death. It appears to be too painful. It appears to be chaotic and frustrating. And maybe today you're about to let those appearance, appearances crash over you and bring you down and drown. Can I say to you today, as we worship and as we sing this song, can I invite you just to lean into the substance of his promise? to take your eyes off of the appearance of things and settle into the substance. And maybe you need to do that by coming and getting around this platform and letting people pray for you. And let me just say, church, if you see somebody come down here, do not let them stand down here alone, okay? But just lean into the presence of God and trust Him as the source of your life to give you everything you need, the moment that you need. Walk in step with the source and see the substance he has promised. Father, speak to us now as we worship you, as we sing your praises today. I pray that your spirit would move among your people, that you would minister to our hearts and give us what we need in this moment. And God, for those people who are just trapped by the appearances of their life right now, because it appears to be too hard, it appears to be something other than what you've promised, I pray that you would use this time to just direct our attentions to who you are and what you're capable of. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.